You're listening to the Writers at Warwick podcast. David Morley is the author of nine books of poetry and the editor of six anthologies. He is director of the Warwick Writing Programme at the University of Warwick, where he is professor of writing. David recently read from his latest book of Romany poems, The Invisible Kings, as part of the Writers at Warwick series at Warwick Arts Centre. My new book, The Invisible Kings, is almost completely inflected by my origins and language. And I've been asked the question since it came out why I haven't uh, kind of explored this before and why I spent a lot of time exploring things like language and science and that kind of stuff. And part of the reason is, is uh, because it's actually considered bad manners in my culture to talk about... Uh, close family matters openly, particularly in, uh, on a page. Um, within our culture, um, things which are written down can, can do you in. Uh, whereas uh, oral stories passed on from person to person, that's usually okay. I grew up in Blackpool on the coast of Lancashire, and my mother, who's a real hero of this book, is a Romany, and her full name is Queenie Rose Cartelet. Cartelet means somebody who's terribly good at handling horses. Her husband, my father, died when he, when he was very young, and what she did was she turned her hand from being what she aspired to be, which is basically a lower-middle-class woman in Blackpool wanting to get by in a real house without wheels, into being um, a fully-fledged Romany. Now, she had too much pride not to uh, play the gypsy, at least not publicly and openly. Now, many women did come to Blackpool and play the gypsy, and you may have seen them uh, in seafront booths where they, in the 70s, they claimed to you know, have read the palm of Ken Dodd or the A-Team and things like that, and they, they have photographs to prove it. Well, my mother didn't do that. When my, when my, uh, when my father died, what she did was uh, close the curtains of the house and keep them closed really for five years in the front room. And in that front room... Uh, in a process of mourning, what she did was uh, turned her hand to earn a living by holding seances for uh, people who came uh, to, to raise the dead for, for, for them to speak to and find consolation. Uh, she told fortunes with crystal balls and tarot cards and, and, uh, and all sorts of interesting methods, including tea leaves. Uh, and I, I witnessed this all the way through my adolescence. And ad- adolescents uh, have every right to rebel against their parents. And my rebellion against it was I felt it was slightly fraudulent. But it gave consolation. And it was also one of the reasons why I ran straight into the arms of science. Because I thought science was the zone of the rational. Huh, well, I soon learn as, as you delve into science, it's not. It is indeed crystal balls and tarot cards and tea leaves. Um, but when, as she kind of graduated in her Romaniness, she, she proclaimed herself a white witch. And Lancashire was a very good place to be a witch and to be a witch's son. I was haunted by falsehood from the start. Some brink of this reached by late childhood. To keep lying, to pile it up, was how to live because fiction tied the parts and parcels of name. Fiction was the poached life history of travelling folk. Fiction was the electricity and rates paid for your shoes. Fiction took the bus to the store 
was allowed by family law to shoplift. Fiction told the old story every night. Fiction was poor but dishonest. Fiction gave birth before a great placed my placenta on the sizzling clinkers. Fiction liked comforts. She had the brains to earn them, but fiction stayed out late. Fiction was a virgin before marriage, of course. She laid the hoard of the tale tall before you. You were bidden to believe in this, despite the fact it was fiction. You had to grow askew. It's hard quarrelling with fiction. Because fiction is you, your bones are thin beams of fable, and your blood, when it pouts your lips, draws through its black alley. Fiction has good fingers. She has sewn and unstitched the same shroud for years. Fiction longs for reunion with her lover. He died strong and striking. He swam out a turn down a long and burning sea of blood. Fiction yearned to restring the yarn for herself, demanded a better ending. Her children learnt their parts and played it from affection. But fiction began to believe her tale. It collapsed into art in which fiction was the lead, and her children, chapters and verses, her friends would spin about her, screaming, author, author. Haunted by so much falsehood, a brink was reached. Widowed, one-breasted, Rose's world has shrunk to Blackpool. Seventh child of seventh child, she could count on so, so little except second sight. Closed her curtains as though for a passing hearse, dealt her tarot cards at neighbours and sat there, weather-wise. Picture how a claw hammer angles under a settled nail, grinds against the top grain, then slides out the clean metal fresh from first hammering. Rosa works her audience, and with her claw for grief, she plies her darkened seance. An unknown sound is ground for a gnomic reading. Ghosts arrive on time. Her sister's upstairs, frapping the floor. One tap for no, twice for yes, with three slow bumps for some spiritualistic ambiguity. Her son hangs about the back, wanting to beat their lights out. Break wide the curtains, reverse the sham night, drive out the wake of widowers preening in their desire, mouthing their childish pleas for another wife and mother. For Rosa, in fact. She squats in her power, plays gypsy, terraces a track, the family goes up from loyalty to lie. Home as Vardo, road as drum, life as one big bengipi. Her suitors simper, they nose their dregs of tea. Levering against one man's memories, Rosa overhears the singing of his dead wife. It's as if Rosa were leaning against the air, listening, as if she were finding the proper angles for that slip soul fresh from its first making. She drags out the clean metal. Uh, in the next poem, Kings, which I'm not going to read the lot, but the, the entirety of. Um, the Romany language offers a, a, an opening between the fields of language of, uh, between the fields of languages, actually, not just between Romany and English. It's a poem that's in both Romany and English. And you don't need to understand Romany to kind of get it. Now, I think Romany's completely fascinating because it contains a lot of words 
uh, and phrases from other languages. Language, as I said in the book, is, is uh, it's absorbed as it's travelled through. Now, this poem tells the journeys and trials of a wise fool, a Romany man who's maybe more used to the twin worlds of Roma and Gaggio than he will freely admit. The Gaggio means anybody who's not Romany. He's a fellow traveller of the blacksmith's tribe, which rejoices in the Romany term, the Bugagides. And he's useful to them for his part as their shaman. I beg of you, believe in the kings, the blacksmith's tribe, the Bugagides, made up of the Tama, true twisters of the Sastra, Shras or Shrastakani, who jam the jagged Shrast in the jaws, the Chemahulia of the Pcurpidae, and ply it, plume it, Pelocus, the Placome, that way and this, rotating it like wire until it's Rinami, Rupavalo, arced into white rings, into Angusti, necklaces, into the bright Akanatnu. I am the king's man. Azano Manush all smiles. Akamasi Manush, the king's fool. Gadaveski, I bear you belief. Forge you four words. Star Harata. Four stars to follow. Patyav, Apakyav, Patyava, or Patyav. You must pick or be picked, be picked up or picked off. Like Kapanari the carver. One choice to your chisel, one sting to your carrow, one carrow to our thorn. Azano Manush all smiles. I can wait for you. But to you, Liste, I circle you. I am circling you. In the court of the hayfields, I am circling you. In the laws of the hedgerows, I run on the field side. Umayakam, you keeping to the drum. I, invisible, audible, like a flume of finches blowing through the thorn fields at your riding. This conduct I keep for my kings, heralding them at the sharp cities, their seer, speaker, tall at forest gates, I cry, both falsely and truly, Mande will Solahor neither Bango nor Tacho. Hold the halter of Patsyava, it should surround you like Upraliavinate. Be more than a night belief, Arachia Sapatiav, or needless nightmare. Bugajidi sleeps sound in the double world, graft even in dreams, burly bezity. For what's righteous in speech, Chachuno, is word twin for what's real. Like the right roared Shrestakane, so it is, byword with the shib, the shashe, now. I bring you, Gadjo, to Bridva, rocker with us, and to deal. The next part I'm going to read out has not been read out before, and it's a curse. <laughs> Had to clear the bloody rumour. Following his wife's killing, the shaman becomes unhinged, cursing the Gajo and also his own tribe. Ultimately, cursing himself as someone between these two peoples. Anyway, this is his curse, uh, or in Romany, his Akushaba. My Akushaba, you will meet me in your mirror, you will remember me. You who hold the harness of the officers, remember me. You who hone the swords on the whetstone, remember me. You who swab the shields of the red guard, remember me. Who rim the rearing wall, spray arrows over our camps, remember me. You 
who cheat at Chililgars, cavalry, you will remember me. Who count the cold coin and the keep, remember me. You who bait with barvipi from distance, remember me. Who wall in our wide fields, who slay us so casually, remember me. Who slew my beloved, slid her to the waters, remember me. Remember, we are all one. All who are with us are ourselves. Our word gallops like grass fires. You will wither by this word. I will crash through your kingdoms, calling your Canilope to the realms of all Roma. I am riding revenge to you, to the lip and leap of a distant Debleskeri Pogya. O Dewey, Mui, Alo, judge me, but you will remember me. Hold the halter of Patsyava, I am riding this curse on you. I wage war with these words on your Raklu and Rakli. Remember, I rank you as Stupos, as Sapni. You are Ratvalyav, you rise only to be reaped. Your names now are Nanjo, your newborn Shungadami. Shavalan, who chastises, we who are Shindi, Shimbengoro, you will remember me. You'll meet me in your mirror, for I am the asking and answering owl calls of an Akushaba. I'm going to finish with a, a poem about two, two rather sweet bears um, who roam through Victorian England following a clan of gypsies. The poem makes use of uh, English Romany words. So when I said at the beginning, language is absorbed as it's travelled through. Different clans will then possess different languages. And English Romany, particularly Victorian English Romany, is really, really strangely flavoured. And, and interesting. And one of the things that English Romany does is it takes names and counties and it, and it basically interprets them according to the behaviour of the gadjo who live in them or what they do. Uh, they always say something about what Romanys feel about a place. And sometimes they're descriptive and sometimes they're actually quite sharp. For example, Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire in this poem is Papineske Town, which simply means flat duck county. Uh, Oxford, Oxford is Lillingreske Gav, which means a town made of books, or a town made of readers. And Suffolk, for some reason best known to the people of Suffolk, is known to Romanese as Dinello Tem, or the Fool's County. <laughs> if, if you trace out the root of the bears on a map of England, it makes the rough shape of a bear's head with very haughty ears. The, bears, the, bird, the two bears are called Pawpaw and Paprika. Pawpaw and Paprika, two great bears of the Egyptians of Lancashire, Chohineske Tem, the witch's county, who, when our camp plucked its tents and pulled out its maps, walked steadily with the wagons, ambling, always ambling, all across the open pages of wet England, footing as far as Papineskatem, the flat duck county, crossing to Kuro Mingreski Gav, the boxer's town, padded on to Porb Ponugo Tem, Applewater County, as good for bears as for their gypsy masters, although who is master is moot after much apple water. Then to bide by Bokra Mingreski Tem, Shepherd's County, 
for their collies are trained not to bark at burrs, but slyly, gently, slink by, big-eyed as children behind their shepherd's greeting. Ambling burrs, always ambling, mooching to my devileski tem, my god's town, and the god for all bears, too, god of paws and padding, of polar, kodiak and koala, sniffing superiorly through Dinalo Tem, the fool's county, circling with our circus to Shamineskey Gav, chairmaker's town, nosing north through Lineskey Gav, a town made of readers, then pours over eyes for Kaolo Gav, the black town, joy at Jinemengreskey Gav, the sharpest town to Lancashire as it was then, wider county of white witches to the clean camps, to the great brown bears of the Egyptians, to pawpaw and paprika, backwards in time they go. Pad, pad, goodbye. This podcast was recorded at Warwick Arts Centre, part of the University of Warwick. For more information about the Writers at Warwick programme, including future readings and events, please visit www.warwickartscentre.co.uk. The Writers at Warwick podcast was produced by Tom Abbott. The music was written and performed by Dylan Owen. Thank you.